0: to Codescast, a podcast from the Center for Oral History and Digital Storytelling at Concordia University. Vous écoutez Codecast, un podcast du Centre d'Histoire Orale et de Récits Numérisés à l'Université Concordia. I'm your host, Sadie, and for this episode, I talk to artist Nikita Feldman-Kiss. So, hello, and thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, do you want to, at first, just introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, my name is Nikita Phelpen-Kiss. I live in Montreal. I studied at Concordia and finished my BFA in Intermedia Arts in 2017. I graduated, um, and since I've been practicing as a multimedia artist, working primarily in storytelling and digital installation.
0: Really cool. Thanks. Uh, Can you tell me a little more about your work?
1: Yeah, I work largely with... um, I, I work largely with communities, um, both online and in publics, um, often locally inside site-specific works. Right now, uh, I have been developing bodies of work with my grandmother and different experiences of matrilineage. Um, so I've made some installations with my mother and my grandmother looking at intersections of identity and shared experience, specifically as it pertains to multiracial identity, womanhood, and intergenerational experiences of immigration. So the crux of my work is in storytelling.
0: That sounds really interesting. Thanks. Uh, and can you tell me a little bit about how oral history methodology figures into your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think I came about it kind of through a back door. Um, I started working with communities on Craigslist and different internet communities a few years ago to develop different archives um, largely of stories and it began very textual and soon it turned into storytelling databases. So I think I'd probably use, um, the word storytelling to relate to my work before oral history, um, just because it does come in different ways. For the most part I use, I've kind of touched on oral history methodology to inform the way that I develop my practice or I do my research. And it's not necessarily the endpoint, but it helps me kind of create systems of classification for the archives that I develop, as well as easing people in when you're doing kind of face-to-face interviews or collection with them.
0: That's really cool. Um, And so you're using this word storytelling. Um, What does that mean to you, or how do you define it in your work?
1: I think that there's a bit more liberty for me in the word storytelling. Um, I'm largely interested in... The type of emissions that we make, and the act of reconsolidation, where you tell a story over and over again, and every time you retell it, you reactivate it. Um, and I'm particularly interested in what gets left out of that reconsolidation, and how we develop methodology, or not methodologies, we develop um, different personal mythologies as coping mechanisms, almost. So there's often um, an element of healing or looking at the end point of a cycle of pain in my work.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Um, And what's your disciplinary background? Like, Where are you coming at this work from?
1: I studied in um, studio arts in a program called Intermedia. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of jack of all trades in terms of what my art practice has been. And it went from performance and to installation work. And I think maybe the installation kind of framework is the best way to understand my practice of, um, I make a lot of work that can live in different settings. So I make work that can be perfect for a gallery space or can also have a different entity online. I'm working a lot with different modes of accessibility so that the people who I'm connecting with in the, and like the development of my projects, which are often people who exist outside of an art vernacular, have access to what's, made as a final product Mm -hmm. Um, so right now I'm working on a a project with larger communities of diaspora and charting different origin stories specifically as it pertains to experiences of immigration and first second third generation Canadian identity.
0: Mm. And uh, I'm wondering if you can tell me what you're most excited about uh, with your work?
1: Yeah I think At the moment, I I had my first major solo exhibit in the summer, and I am focusing on touring that work. So some very interesting collaborations evolved alongside it. I spent the la- well, I spent a full year going back and forth to Ottawa, where I grew up and where my grandmother lives, recording and filming every weekend with her, and we developed a series of video performances, I'll call them, that. We did kind of in collaboration with each other, and alongside it was a text that was, it's a kind of auto-fiction based on our family history and her and my shared experience. She spent much of her childhood barefoot, a comfort she carried to Canada with her. I remember her recalling the smell of the hot dirt on the island, And how it came to be replaced with the smell of fresh asphalt in ottawa i imagine the way that that smell hangs heavy in the air on hot summer days every time i dig my toes into the grass or feel the soles of my feet slap against pavement i'm reminded of the way she moves her mouth as she describes the sweet acrid scent of the sticky black binder in the summer sun. And how her eyes gloss over while tracing and summoning these memories and re That was kind of like a text that developed from the oral history archives that I made through the production of that project. Uh, and it was mounted an exhibit in Ottawa in in June, at the end of June, and I'm starting to tour it, so I have interest from a few galleries, and I'm hopefully going to bring it to Montreal, and I have a couple people interested in Toronto, and getting that off the ground is very exciting.
0: Congratulations. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah, I'm wondering... uh, what kind of challenges you've encountered specifically to do with the storytelling aspect of your work? Mm
1: -hmm. I think that, um, most of the content I've worked with has been highly emotional and something I never anticipated or I could never have foreseen was, um, the aftercare involved in that. And if you're breaking open kind of more personal, personal stories or, um, Things that, like, there's still a lot of emotion to be processed around. There's a certain amount of, like, emotional labor that does need to come alongside the actual act of, um, like, charting a story or recording a story. So that, I mean, I've been kind of working in this way for maybe four years, and it still surprises me every time. And also the amount that I can take on from another person's experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so kind of developing different methods to, like, keep myself at a bit of a distance or make sure that the person that I'm working with feels safe and comfortable in the beginning, in the process, and then afterward as well. Mm-hmm. And working with that vulnerable content is often very difficult. And having, um, like, letting go of kind of creative control and allowing people to say no that they don't want something to be published or they don't want something to be included because it's not really my authority Mm -hmm. so there's been a lot of kind of like moral and ethic things that I've encountered in that way
0: interesting yeah I'm wondering about um so you come from like visual arts or like the intermediate background and how your use of storytelling gets integrated into your field, kind of, or how people in your discipline or field um, are reacting to your work.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the way I work has... It used to be fairly didactic, where I would kind of... My research question would dictate the way that I worked, and then exactly what I filmed would end up being... The final product, and now I'm finding more kind of nuanced ways to integrate that experience of recording and um, like creating those oral history archives in a way that is a little bit more abstract and a little bit more poetic. Um, so I'm kind of moving away from a documentarian practice into something a little bit more f- not fictive, but a little bit more constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of work happening right now around family history and um, illuminating different kind of apps or app, sorry gaps in archives and in the way that we've presented histories for a really long time. there's um, an artist I'm really drawn to Jacqueline Wang Nguyen she did a project about um, creating family or showing family archives of people who immigrated after the Multiculturalism Act mm-hmm. um, and that practice, for her that project was going into gallery spaces, having people bring in their family photo albums, she specifically reached out to image photo- photographers and then developed that archive from it to create a picture of what multiculturalism in Canada actually looked like at the time as opposed to what it was being presented as through the different like government sponsored imagery. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that happen I feel like it is fitting in, in that way. Um, Specifically to my background, I think a lot of the people that uh, I've worked alongside in this digital media background are making more kind of internet art, so it's not or at least people from my cohort are making more internet art and I've found myself in more multidisciplinary communities for that reason. I've worked with um, dancers and people who kind of navigate between poetry and science and there's just maybe more intersections that I've connected with. It's kind of an incredible moment in terms of what, um, like different types of platforms for dissemination and different types of archives that are crowdsourced that are actively going on. And so everybody is kind of contributing in this way to a larger picture of, or a larger practice of creating a larger picture. My family, my maternal family is Jamaican or Caribbean, and we have this massive blog that my uncle Guggy put together that is just tracing as much of the family history as possible. So, I'm, and then people who are doing inheritance.com and like 23andMe, there's all of this data and investment and excitement around telling those stories. So I think that the archives that are existing are like plentiful and there's so much access to them in a way that there never has been before. And making work out of that in a moment where people are obviously inspired by it and very touched by it and it's become a very important thing is a very exciting uh, point to be in So I think that the creation element there is ob- this like very evident sense of identification with that practice of charting history in a more emotional and a more embodied way um, and a little a little anecdote on that of like the Super crowdsourced format is. I was online a couple of years ago trying to write an essay about like belonging and immigration, and um, I was looking at the town that my family is from in Jamaica and noticed that there's no Google Street View because it's a not a very wealthy place to have a Google Streetcar in, and but there's this whole archive that had developed around people contributing their photos, be it like tourist photos or Like 360 panoramas from people who lived in the area. So there's this element of contributing to picturing different places that I think is really beautiful which is totally not like there was something much more emotional about it than I think the Google Street View format was intended to have and in addition to that there was a lot of like captioning surrounding like oh met this really great guy at the corner store there, his name was Jeff and we bought soda from him and had a nice walk around. So this active, um, active way of describing and like, collecting those moments is a nice thing to
0: have access to. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like Google for the people.
1: Yeah, Google for the people. It's a great way <laughs> to put it. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so how can people access your work or mm-hmm. read about it?
1: I have a website. It is very long. Um, www.nikitafeldenkiss.com My work can be accessed there. I have certain segments of audio and video from different installations, as well as images. And I'm working on a few other projects that should be live on there soon.
0: Awesome. And your work may be coming to Montreal soon. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I hope so.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming Mm -hmm. and talking to me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool.
0: Codescast was produced by me, Sadie Couture, and Mava Thibault. Original idea by Marie Anne Gagnon, supervised by Stefan Martelli. Original music for Codescast was composed by Jacob Lassard.